Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. We win, I think, when we're in connection with other humans. So, you know, we're all on this this rock in space together. <laughs> let's like look up from our phones. Let's oh, make yeah. eye contact and let's see where that can take us because I know people are they're frustrated like i know you're frustrated with social media we're frustrated with dating apps we're frustrated with texting there's so much to be frustrated about that i think we all have a responsibility to look for connection and look for solutions to get out of this communication crisis we've been in hello and welcome to another episode of the mark rose podcast today i have returning guest Demona Hoffman, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me again. Oh man, it's so good to have you back. Like, I loved our last conversation because we talked about how dating is a learned skill, discussing all the do's and don'ts of dating apps, which can be really very, 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 very helpful. Red and green flags, and also how we can learn and heal through dating. So this time we're going to talk about something a little different. You have a new book coming out, which is called F the Fairy Tale, Rewrite the Dating Myths and Live Your Own Love story. I mean, that sounds like a delicious promise from that book. So <laughs> why? I'm curious, why is it the right time for this book? Well, it's been the right time, to be honest with you, Mark, <laughs> because yeah. I really feel like, and you, I think you've seen this too, as, as I've listened to your show, I've, I've been tracking the evolution and your thought process around dating and relationships. And I, I really feel like we are at a crucial connection point. We are at a, really a crisis in communication where yeah. the way that we used to do things is not the way we do things right now, but our brains haven't quite caught up to what's really happening. So I felt like we needed a guidebook to understand what are the old rules? What are the old beliefs that it's time for us to set aside? And then how do we move forward into this new paradigm? I feel like so many of us are unconsciously relating and dating from what you're calling these old rules, like these things like, oh, that's just how you're supposed to do it. That's just the way it's supposed to be. That's just what relationships are supposed to be like. And if we're going by old rules, I mean, I would say that the normalized way that we relate tends to be codependent and it tends to be self-abandoning, which is really like, now we have this desire, and, and this is really true, especially of younger generations, but true of our generation, which is that we have a desire to really create amazing relationships, and yet we're using old tools to try to create a new thing, you know? And right. I'm curious in your work, because I know you've been working in this area for ages now, I'm curious what are some of the most significant dating myths and, and how do they hold us back? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to co-sign everything you just said. We are addicted to stories. <laughs> we love stories. We love to see our stories reflected and repeat those stories. And then we love to put 
our own endings on things. And as I'm helping clients through the dating process, we always want to skip ahead to that last chapter. But you know very well that we don't always know what that chapter is going to say. So the first thing we have to do is decouple our our addiction to finishing the story and get back into the moment of what are we just experiencing. I spend so much time just getting my clients to be in the present and to just connect when they're on a date. But we have so many of these myths that are hardwired. And in the book, I break it down into the four biggest myths. Now, Mark, I wanted to do like originally the book was all myths and I had like 15 myths and my publisher was like, maybe we could break it down. <laughs> like, What are the biggest ones? I said, well, it's hard to choose. But the the four biggest ones that I have identified in my work are the the list myth. That's like, you know, making the list and checking the boxes. And we can break all of these down in yeah. a minute. Uh, the rules myth. If I play by the rules, if I do X, Y, and Z, or this is how it's I've always done in the past, or this is how I was told it was supposed to go, then I will get Y. And we all right. know that doesn't always happen. Then there's the chemistry myth. I'm supposed to feel like this. I, it's a, it, it's, that's it a was big one. like this, right? That's a big that's one. It's damaging. It's damaging. And it's also, it's also so prevalent. And I feel like that's one of the biggest ones that, that we see in the fairy tale, that we see in the rom coms and that, that is fed to us from a young age. Yeah. And butterflies. The, the butterflies. And the fourth one, I'm curious what your take is on this one the soulmate myth. The soulmate myth. I, I think has two parts. One, it's this idea that there's one ideal person out there and yeah. I've got to look through all of these haystacks and find this one person. And it's also the belief that it's supposed to be this magical thing. And I feel like that keeps a lot of people from seeing what's right in front of them because they're like, well, I like this person. I enjoy this person, but are they my soulmate? So those are the four big myths I see. Well, I, let's break down all of them because I definitely have, I want to get more insight into what you mean by each one. And last but not least, uh, soulmates, twin flames, all that language yeah. that we use that uh, in a lot of ways I think creates scarcity. And it, which when you're in scarcity, you're not in discernment. So that's a, a little bit of an exchange we make in the, in that in that if we buy into that belief, it means that we can't not buy into it anymore. You know what I mean? Like you can't leave someone if they're your soulmate, even if they're yeah. everything that you don't want, you know, anyway. So yeah, where do you want to start with lists? How do we, how do you break that down? Yeah, let's start at the beginning because when most people come to me for dating coaching, I ask them, what are you looking for? And they'll give me a whole big list of all the things it must be six foot feet taller high or taller. They must make, you know, $250,000 a year. They must drive this car. They must live within five miles of me. They have all of these oh, things God. on the list. And then I say, you haven't actually told me anything about who they are. Right. So what I do with each of these myths in the book is I, I give. A, a, the sort of antidote to the, believing the myth. Because I see that the pillars of long-term compatibility are completely different things. And then we, when we focus on things like, instead of the list myth, we focus on goals. We focus on goals for the future. So first of all, what are you trying to build? You have this whole list of superficial qualities, but you haven't told me anything about the life that you really want and how this person is going to fit in with your life and how you're going to bring, bring value, bring love, bring light to their life. So we begin there. And that's where I, you know, I've also kind of broken it down chronologically in the dating process because I always start my clients with mindset. Who are you? What do you have to offer? And what are you looking for? And then also, how are you even talking about dating what are those prevailing thoughts that you repeat again mm. and again there's nobody out there to match with me there are no good men in my neighborhood there are no women that want me for me or if i don't make enough money and no one will be attracted to me whatever that belief is we we have to stop repeating it 
because those stories, the more you tell yourself that story, the more you believe it. And I've just seen so many times that those stories that you come in with often are not true and they can change so quickly. Like we talked last time about dating being a learned skill. If you just change one of these inputs, if you change mm -hmm. your belief system around dating, it changes your actions, changes your beliefs, changes your actions, changes your your whole experience. And I know this because I've lived it. I used yeah, to be same. a complete love cynic, <laughs> right? And it's like when you, I, I wouldn't have even believed that I would be sitting here today being like a love evangelist, telling everybody <laughs> they could have what we have, but I believe it because I've walked through these steps myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think what you're speaking to about the beliefs that we hold that live in the unconscious that really establish why we're dating and relating the way we are. Like if we don't uncover these, I would call them bullshit stories, that unconsciously we are actually more committed to being right than happy. You know, that's the irony of that is that like I'd rather prove that belief right, not on purpose, but because I get to reinforce the belief. And, and then what's interesting is we tend to hang out with other people who are like, yeah, there are no good men and da, 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 da. You know, and name the town, the city, the country. Everyone said the same thing. And yet all you have to know is that one person met one person in that place and your story is complete bullshit. And it's amazing how much it liberates us when we're willing to open the way that we see things. I, with the list, you were sharing how a lot of people put physical or material desires on the list. How do you encourage people to get clarity on what they're looking for and create a list that would actually be productive in creating what they're, they're, they're wanting to find? It actually begins, it's funny because I, I say it's mindset, but uh, I really should call it heart set <laughs> because what I actually do is get people out of their heads. We do all kinds of things in my programs like visualization and, and meditation and all kinds of vision boarding. However your brain works, we've got a technique for it, but they all, they all sort of come to the same point or come from the same place. And that's in getting yourself to feel what it will feel like to have that person in your life. You may not recognize what they look like. You may not recognize their height. You may not recognize how much money they make. But if you have taken the time to figure out the way that you want to feel when you're with that person, you will definitely recognize it when you're sitting across from them. Mm -hmm. mm, so true. That's There's the simplest like, way to say yeah. it, but I, I, it's, it's really a quite simple process when you do it, but we have to get out of our heads because we can make lists forever. And I had, I had so many things, Mark, on my list that I was like, oh, I would never, I couldn't, I, <laughs> I, and, and when you trace back the, the origin of those thoughts, you realize that they have nothing to do with finding love. They have to do with another part within you that probably needs healing or that mm -hmm. probably felt pain or shame or any number of emotions that you're either pushing away or, un or subconsciously attracting back in. And we don't want to, we don't want to match from that place. We want to match from the place of the best case scenario that you are building and creating in your life. Yeah. I find when we're not proactive about what we're looking for and if we make it, let's say six foot drives a car, does this, you know, I always think of the research from the Gottmans where they look at what were the most two predictive, the two most predictive qualities of I have this new AI thing that makes balloons go off randomly if I do peace signs and thumbs up also. So for everyone watching this, we just had a little carnival action. Uh, I haven't learned how to turn it off yet, but it randomly comes up. So it just came up. Will it do it if I do it? No. No, you got to turn it on. I don't know how you turn it on or off. So I'll have to figure that out later. I'm sure there's a tech person who's like, it's so easy. Uh, so thank you, the person who's listening. Please DM me and share. I... 
I, I think that, so when we're looking for those types of things, that it has to look a certain way, as you said, that we're not open to what we actually desire from a feelings perspective to enter our life. And as I was saying, the two most predictive behaviors of successful couples in the long run are actually kindness and generosity. And so if that's not on your list, you know, it's what I find is interesting is I've been playing with this thought a lot when I'm working with people who have a hard time choosing availability and tend to continuously be drawn to unavailability. Um, people who are hot and cold. Yeah, all that kind of that stuff. That was me. That was me. <laughs> but but it's it is the the feeling of kindness and generosity. I kind of I don't actually when my clients are really making a list because as we move from mindset, we start going into sourcing and where you're finding dates. And if you're meeting people online, you have yeah. to be able to articulate what you're looking for. Otherwise, you'll just get whatever. You'll look for anything. Right? Right. Like anything will be a match because you'll, you didn't get yeah. clarity. Right. And you'll get overwhelmed and frustrated and ghosted and yeah, all of the, the awful things that come with dating today. Um, but we're going to share the positives. I have to stay positive. Completely. But when we are when we are clear on how it will feel kindness and generosity those are a given right like nobody walks into a relationship being like i i want to feel taken for granted right <laughs> right i'd love someone who betrays that be yeah, please <laughs> i think our soul's evolution unconsciously wants those things just so we can finally stand up to something we never have you know i do think mm -hmm. on a soul mate quote unquote perspective, which I don't think is one person, but anyone who can teach you how to gather back pieces of your soul. But it's like, you have someone who, I mean, Carolyn May said, um, if, if I was your angel and you were terrified of being abandoned, I would have someone, you fall in love with someone for three months who tell you they're going to stay with you forever. And then I'd have them leave you after three months. And I was like, wow, that's fire when you think about it. I, and I've done it. So I mean, I'm, I've left and I've been left and it's hard to see it as a gift at the time, but it's like your value doesn't live in someone staying or going. It just is inherent. And we don't date from that perspective. You know, we don't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also I look at relationships as a mirror and as the greatest opportunity you have to learn about yourself and others. So I also encourage people to sort of give themselves over to the experience of this because this is it it really is a moment in time for so many people like i've been with my husband now for 20 years and i think back to that time when i was single that felt like forever it felt like i was like climbing that mountain forever but <laughs> now i'm i'm in this other phase that has a whole different feel a whole yeah. different there's a whole different story going on. And it's like, if I could go back and tell that young Demona what the gift was in that struggle, well, I guess she probably wouldn't get the lesson that she needed from it, but it would give her a, a lot of peace of mind because I just spent so much time in that, when I was in that mindset place before I did the work where I did internalize that as, as, well, does that mean I am not worthy of a relationship? Yeah. Does that mean that, that there's not, never going to be someone that will match with me? And I, I really love getting people when they are in that place and just showing them with a few small tweaks, you change your perspective things can shift so quickly. And then the, the, that story that you believe for so long just becomes the, it's like the prologue. It's just the, the old narrative that sets you up for what the new future is going to be. Yeah, it's clear. It, it starts to destroy all these beliefs that have been holding us back, but keeping us quote unquote safe, you know, free from potentially being hurt, but yet living in this cycle of consistent hurt of like not feeling present, not feeling safe, not feeling when it is when it's really the source of it is that we're not aligned with what we say we desire. And, you know, and that what we deeply know is valuable in a relationship. It's so easy to follow the tingling of our loins and not, <laughs> you know, and not the rationale of and rational doesn't sound sexy. But you know, like <laughs> dependability is so fucking hot when you actually 
get down to it. When you actually figure it out that like someone who's there for you when you need them, that's the hottest shit around. We don't realize that. Like nice booty, great. Consistent (laughs) and shows up, uh, that's it. Now a nice booty and some consistency. That's great. Yeah, you yeah. can have both. You can. Yeah, yeah. Don't be throwing <laughs> it out. It you don't have to exchange. <laughs> you don't. And what you're talking about is sort of uh, dovetailing into the chemistry myth. It's January, and like so many of you are probably navigating, there is a desire for a renewed commitment to eating healthier, especially after holiday feasting. Now, my number one tool of choice in this venture in feeling good, nourishing the body is Organifi's Green Juice. You know I love this stuff. I love talking about it. I love the brand. And the reason I love specifically the green juice is, number one, I'm a busy father. I'm a husband. I run a business. I'm a teacher. I don't always have time to juice a bunch of leafy greens. I mean, really, who does? And this high-quality powdered version of greens makes my morning routine so easy. I literally don't have an excuse since all I have to do is mix the powder in some cold water or some almond milk, and I'm good to go. Now, it has also helped me reach my wellness goals. I've lost over 25 pounds in the last six months, and that's one of the benefits of taking this green juice every morning because it reduces my craving for sweets. Plus, it maintains cortisol levels so I don't gain weight when I get stressed, and it helps me stay hydrated. Now, number three is that unlike other green juice powders, it actually tastes super delicious. They have two awesome flavors, the original minty flavor and my favorite, the crisp green apple flavor. And it's not loaded with any sugar to disrupt my ketone levels. And there are also so many health benefits. Inside these greens, you'll get a clinical and effective dose of ashwagandha, the adaptogenic herb that supports cortisol levels and so much more, and moringa, which they call nature's most perfect multivitamin, rich in vitamins, minerals, and amino acids, chlorella, an alkalizing freshwater algae, rich in chlorophyll, vitamins, and minerals, and spirulina, a nutrient-dense freshwater algae loaded with antioxidants. So I invite you to join me in a fresh, healthy start to 2024. Use the code CREATETHELOVE for 20% off green juice and any other amazing products at Organifi.com slash create the love. Yeah. When you are with someone that is consistent, that is reliable, that is all those sexy things along with the cute butt that you just mentioned, your nervous system can relax and you don't have to do all that spinning and all that, all that making meaning out of, out of these, their actions and out of your, your own sort of monkey mind just just chattering <laughs> about what's happening on the date about the relationship and when we chase chemistry like i had um i had dr drew on my podcast on dates and mates and he said to me demona the body is a perfect instrument it will always tell you and i know you believe this too and yeah. you know all the work that you do with with health and wellness as well like the body will tell you when you are with somebody that you can trust and relax into. And when we are chasing butterflies, like, oh, so many times I'll hear, well, I like them. We had a great conversation. I thought they were really cute, but I just didn't feel the spark. I didn't feel butterflies. I didn't feel chemistry. My spidey senses go off and I say, wait a minute, (laughs) let's slow this down and you know, from the last time we talked, I'm all about slow love and slow dating. I'm trying to get everybody slow burn. to slow down so that you can really listen to your body and see what's going on so that we're not chasing that immediate, you know, firecracker chemistry. Because how many times has that led you astray? <laughs> A lot. A lot. We throw our brains out the window when there's too much chemistry. And I would argue that that is actually part of it is our brain is not on board when we're in that level of sort of biological response, you know, and, and when you can also ask someone, well, when else do you feel stuff in your stomach? Well, you feel it when you're anxious. Okay, well, are you coding actually anxiety or uncertainty about someone as chemistry? You know, it's a really fascinating thing to start to play with, you know, you can have a charge with someone like an electrical impulse or a desire, but there's a whole different level of adulting when we take charge of that charge, when we're like, hey, you don't have to follow every impulse you have. If you did that, you'd be addicted to everything, which I think we're in a culture that is very much doesn't know how to be in the space between the stimulus and the response. Like, It's such an immediate gratification culture that the invitation you're saying, slow burn, slow, 
that allows us to be in choice when we're in that slow. And I really know very few rapidly escalating relationships that have done well. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I say slow love, a lot of people think, oh, that means, that means that my relationship is doomed if we got engaged quickly or married or we got pregnant or whatever, you know, we don't know where the stories are headed. Right. And I do have clients who have gotten engaged very quickly, but the, the difference is that they got the clarity first Yes, and they really slowed down that process of meeting. So I, I say it's kind of like a dance, like the slow, slow, quick, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slow, yeah. slow, quick, because then you can trust that you're in alignment. If yeah. you've done that, inner work first and you've figured out what your body is telling you first then you can trust it but so many times when it just goes fast 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 when people tell me all the time they'll say oh i had a great first date we were at this bar and then we went to a second place and then i went over to their place and then we're going to see each other tomorrow and then they're already asking me if they can see me over the weekend and that's when i start to say hold on because now you're getting caught up in the momentum and the chemistry of it. How do you even know if this is what you want? You've got right. to space out those interactions in the beginning to have that perspective, like you said, to choose, to really have clarity on, am I really enjoying how I feel when I'm with this person and where this relationship is headed? Or am I just doing the next thing because we have momentum right now or it feels easy mm. right now or I just like the feeling of someone liking me. <laughs> so many times I've, I've seen people ruin possible relationships because they're like, well, I don't know if they liked me or, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if they were into it or not. It's like we're chasing this, this feeling of being chased. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> we need to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I think when people sit with this, uh, what you're saying about taking the space between the constantly seeing each other, especially early on. When you study things like the game or why all men love bitches, that's actually a book title. I'm not saying that there's <laughs> an interesting, because what would be what's inferred in the lessons from those books is here's how you pretend to act like you have high self-worth. But it's a game. It's not actually embodied, so it's not authentic. And then when shit hits the fan, you're going to be your real self and your insecurities are going to come out. But what's interesting about what you're saying is that if we went on a date and we had a really good time and then we saw each other the next day or I invited you to see me the next day and you were like, you know what, I'm actually busy, but I'd love to see you next. And let's say it's a Thursday. I'd love to see you on Sunday or Monday. What that infers to me unconsciously is exactly what those books teach, but it's from an authentic place because you're saying what you're teaching is I need space so that I have discernment so I can be in my body and feel how this feels for me. Is this for me? So many people don't date from the, is this for me? They're like, am I for them? If I'm for them, great, I'm all in. And what you're teaching, which I really love, I've not thought about that level of um, spacing because what it teaches to the other person is this person values themselves. They have other things to do. Like they're not sure about me, which is actually true anyways. Even when you're like, I love you on a first date, that's such bullshit. Like I know the love at first sight. I'm not debating that you could have been like, I knew the moment I met them. Great. But at least keep some secrets to yourself. Like that inability to hold on to the information because we get so excited is actually what ruins a lot of relationships. Yeah, and you're so you right. Think? We don't know. We don't know at that point. Like when people tell me, I feel really bad because I got rejected by this person online. Or, you know, we went out on one date and I thought it went great and they didn't call me again. So I, I feel really bad about myself. I'm, I feel bad about dating. I want to get off of dating apps. Yeah. Like people, like I have a friend that says, you have one bad meal. You don't say, I'm never going out to eat again. You know, <laughs> you don't, you, you, you're like, I, maybe I won't go to that restaurant, but you're not like, I'm never going to go to any restaurants ever again. Right. But that's kind of what we do. <laughs> so true. Um, 
I, the TM Evan Mark Katz, I can't take credit for that one, but it is a great quote. But I, I love the way that you, you framed that, that it's asking not am I for them, but is this for me? And giving yourself that space to really sit with yourself and to figure out, is this, is this working? Is this even what I want? Do I even like this person? Is so key. But I see a lot of times people, it's not, it's not a fabrication of, I have other things to do. Like most people are really, really busy and yet they'll drop everything. If they get the hint of the whiff of possibly this person is into me, like, I'll just clear my whole schedule. Right, right. Like, I mean, I, I have nothing to do for the next month, whatever you're. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. So I'll actually, I'll tell you a story. When I first started working with a coach, my, my coach was telling me that I needed to carve out time for myself to put that time on my calendar. She said, as if you have plans with another person. Cause I used to do that. I would drop everything and be like, Oh, another person wants to hang out with me, you know, romantic or not. I was just like, I was so afraid of being alone, Mark, that yeah. I would just chase anything that gave me an opportunity to be with somebody. And I'd see people eating out at restaurants by themselves. And I go, Oh, that's so sad. They're alone. Like now I actually desire that. I crave that. I love that time that I get to spend solo maybe it's also because i'm a parent <laughs> and like never get that time <laughs> yeah right but but a lot of it was this process that i went through where my coach said to me i want you to do like artist dates with yourself and i want you to carve out three consecutive hours that you spend by yourself deliberately on your calendar every week i was like what three hours are you kidding me i can't do that and she had me take out a little picture of myself, little Demona as a little girl. And mm. she said, okay, if you can't do this, I want you to look at that, that picture and tell that little girl that you don't have time for her. And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, that one that kicks. That got me. That got me. But it got me to really understand how important it was to put me on the schedule. And so those are the kind of things that I do with my clients to get them to really see the value of themselves and then themselves in partnership. You don't disappear. You're still there yeah. <laughs> wherever you go. There you are. Right. And so you want to be coming to the table as a whole person with this partner who is going to enhance your life. You two together are going to grow as a unit, but you're also going to grow individually. And so I have to get my clients to really understand how important it is to be deliberate with how they're allocating their time, which is our most valuable resource, and also who we're giving love to. And it's got to start with ourselves. Being able to maintain itself, you're speaking to that while we're in relationship. Is there because I think of the myths or the the like narratives we're taught about relationship, so much of it is, as I was saying earlier, is about self abandonment. Like, don't exist, take care of everybody else. Da 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 da. I did we cover all the rules or like some of the rules that the, wasn't the sure rules myth or the rules yeah. of the no, rules we myth. didn't even yeah, we didn't even touch on it. Beliefs but were tied in there. Yeah. It's funny because you brought up um, the game and why why men love bitches and these books i actually talk about some of them in f the fairy tale because i think they had a time and a place yeah. in teaching us about relating but i think they they are some of our old they're tied to some of our old beliefs that no longer apply and from the beginning of my dating coaching career, I have always been about authenticity because that was ultimately what led me to my partner and what I see leading most of my clients to love over the last 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. When I was my true and authentic self, which I had, which I only got to from spending that solo time and investing in myself and really figuring out like, what does Demona like to do on her own without a partner? If somebody else is not telling me Let's meet here. Let's do this. Let's go here. What are my actual interests? What are my actual beliefs? And when we are just following cookie cutter rules, then we're just operating by somebody else's playbook. 
I think we have a really cool opportunity that didn't exist 20, 40 years ago when our parents were dating. We have an opportunity to create our own love stories, to create our own experience in a way that has never existed in history before, especially for women. And I won't go off on a whole <laughs> tangent about that, but we have so much choice at our fingertips yeah. now. And when we are just following the old playbook, it strips us of that authenticity and it strips us of that opportunity to create the reality for ourselves. How do you think all that choice impacts us in dating today? Um, Mark Groves, if you are trying to get me to say that the paradox of choice is a, a failing of dating apps, uh, I will not go there. <laughs> because I don't know I think, that I, I think that. No. Good. I, okay. I'm glad because a lot of people, like a lot of people want, look, we're, I think, I, I had a feeling actually that you weren't going to say that, but I, <laughs> I, I feel like um, we are just in a place where we are being crushed by decisions every day, yeah. all day every day and i think we're looking for the villain and i i don't think dating apps are perfect i've worked with many of the dating apps and it is how most of my clients have found love however there i recognize that there are some challenges mm -hmm. but i don't think it's just this availability of choice that makes people unable to commit first of all i i will not even agree that people won't commit because they have so much choice. I don't agree with that either. I think availability of infidelity and things like that is is more so, but the people who are seeking infidelity or afraid of intimacy are going to find it with a coworker. I think most infidelity is actually with a coworker. I think it's like 70%. That might be more historical data before, but Facebook caused a rapid increase in, in that because exactly. people connected to their old flames. But yeah, I yeah, agree with you. Exactly. I'm not buying into that because like if you go into everyone's afraid of commitment, well, that belief itself holds us back from having to commit and be vulnerable and be open because the narrative says, well, I'm just going to end up hurt. So what's the point? Well, that's probably because we haven't explored some hurt that we have that we're afraid is on the other side of intimacy and connection. So we just blame it on a belief because there's lots of people I know who found incredible commitment you know, and, and have found incredible relationships through online dating. I think it's a tool right. and how you yes. use it matters. And when you have more choice, you need to be better at making choices. You know, yes. you got to build the skill set, not blame the technology. You're speaking my language. And the other thing that I see is with the, the number of options we have available, available to us, people are just having more conversations and connections than they've ever had before. Right. And so we feel it more acutely. Like when, back when I was single, if I had, if I had a date a quarter, maybe two dates a quarter, I was, I felt like I was doing like first dates. I, I was doing pretty well. If I had two dates a quarter, I was like, this is, this is a good rate. <laughs> yeah. Because you got, You've been married 20 years, you said? 20. I've been with my husband 20 years. Yeah. So you met before Facebook existed. Yeah. Because it came out, I think, in 07 or yeah, a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Before our lives got consumed by technology. So wait, did you meet like uh, in person? No, we met online back which, in the Middle Ages. And people are always like, it was called Nerve.com. No one, no modern daters have I've ever heard of, heard of it. it. I've heard of like Lava Life and... I, I used to write for Lava uh, Life. Harmony. I think mm -hmm. I wrote for Lava Life too and Plenty of Fish. <laughs> yes. So it predates pretty much all of those. Um, it was That's in amazing. the era of Match. JDate was kind of first and Match and Yahoo Personals. So online dating has been around for a while. Yeah, Craigslist. But it, Craigslist, oh yeah. I'm not sure yeah, that was quite dating, real. but as, no, I never I, used it, but I... I know people that are still married to this day to someone that they met from Craigslist personals. No so and this is why I never. That's amazing. I'd never assign the, the tool, like you were saying, a certain identity. Like people will say, Oh, well, Tinder's the hookup app and this is the relationship app or what it's, it's all how you use the tool. I also have plenty of clients that have met and married somebody or in long-term relationships with somebody they met on Tinder. 
Right. So it's how you use the app. I don't know. Grinder aside, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure, but it's how <laughs> you use the tool. It's how you you go through the entire process of developing the relationship after that point too. And that's that's where I find that a lot of people like don't even think about it. We're just so focused on like getting the dates that we forget about everything that comes after. But you know, back in the middle ages, when I was single, if I went on a couple, let's just say one date a month, I was like killing it. Now my clients will be like, if they don't have a date a week, they're like, I'm failing. But then when we think about the emotional roller coaster that that puts you on, and I'm not, I, I, I love the, uh, the additional choice. Yeah. But you have to figure out what your nervous system and your, you personally can sustain. Like I have clients that one date a week, it's too much because they cannot handle the roller coaster. And like once I started doing, doing online dating, it was like two to three dates a week. That was a good rate for me, but it's not for everybody. So I think it's not just the availability of, all of the options that gives people this paradox of choice frustration. I think it's more that we are feeling the highs and lows at scale mm. because of the additional opportunities. And what you said, Mark was so, so right on. That's why I love talking to you because you always like find that nugget in there where it is about the choices that you're making when you have more choices you have to get better at making choices. And that's really what I've built my whole career on in teaching people how to use these tools that we have, whether it's dating apps or meeting people still IRL, it does still happen, or meeting people <laughs> online through other me methods, as you mentioned, Facebook or Instagram. People forget, like that's still online dating. It's just not a dating app. And these are all really, really new tools that we're still figuring out how the best practices for how to use them. Yeah, they seem because our biology just comes into play. And we like to think that we can just surpass our unconscious mind. And just I, whenever anyone says uh, dating apps are superficial, I'm like, people are superficial. Yes, and they exacerbate what is already true. But you know, I, the data shows that young people today are having less sex than ever. Are you kidding me? Like everyone thinks everyone's banging everybody. And I think it's just a small group of people who are banging each other, which is great. That's awesome. Go get yours. But like these beliefs that we love to have, we love to shame and be like, oh, now everyone's so promiscuous. It's like some people are promiscuous. Now everyone's afraid of commitment. Some people are. But like, let's look at our own shit. You know, oh, so... Yeah. Coming back, because the last myth, which I, I, I'm really excited to get your perspective on, is the soulmate myth. And I know you talk about like, F soulmates, fix your future. So I want to know <laughs> what you mean by by that, like fixing our future and, and what about soulmates? Well, I agree with what you said earlier that you can have multiple soulmates. I, I, I almost want to just back away from that whole term of soulmate because mm -hmm. I feel like it's so loaded. We've all placed yeah. our own meaning on the scale there with soulmates. And so when I say the soulmate myth, I'm talking about what most people tell me is their idea of soulmate. What most people think of a soulmate is there's one person out there who's going to fulfill all my needs. There's one perfect person and I just got to find them. And in theory, that's really cute. <laughs> but in practice, it stops us from seeing what's really in front of us in the moment. I didn't know when I met my husband that he was my soulmate. Like, I don't even think I would say he's my soulmate now. I think we were we met when we were both in a particular moment in our lives. I knew that I enjoyed his company. I knew that we had a lot of what I call the pillars of long-term compatibility that I talk about in F the Fairy Tale. So I talk about shared goals. I also talk about shared values. I talk about trust and communication. If you have all of those things, then you have to kind of, that's where the slowing it down comes in, right? Mm -hmm. That's where you have to really rest into how does my soul feel when I'm with this person? So I think that's ultimately what a soulmate is, 
But we think it's like rom-coms and fairy tales. We think the soulmate is like, I'm going to see fireworks when I meet them. And <laughs> I didn't know all of those things. I just knew that I kept choosing him. And we met at a moment in our lives when we were on the same path. We had the same goals for the future. We had the same values. We were able to communicate clearly. We trusted one another. And I'm so, so grateful that he came into my life when he did, that we connected and that we were aligned in that way. But I would also say if we had met in a different time, if he had met me a couple of years earlier when I was like out there <laughs> going on my two, three dates a week, if we had met in a different, at a different place in our lives, we might not be together. Or if somebody else had met him first, we might not be together. Who knows? But what I want people to do is to just slow down, see what's right in front of them. Trust that if you've done all of the other work we talked about of getting really clear on what you want and knowing how to communicate that and, and being in the moment and being authentic, that you're going to know what the next step is. And I know your path in your relationship hasn't been linear, no. but you, cho you choose, right? And you've chosen to be in this path at this moment. But I want to hear what you think about soulmates. I mean, I really agree with everything you're saying. I think that, as I said earlier, the perspective itself is limiting. And it's language that, like that. You know, I think we watch movies like... I'm aging myself, but movies like Jerry Maguire or um, The Notebook. And we think that's what it's got to look like, that someone has, it has to have that much drama. <laughs> you know, it has to have that much ambivalence and that the person's not sure. And they're, and then all of a sudden they're, you know, all in. I mean, to be fair, The Notebook, the guy was pretty much all in the whole time. She was, she was a little more ambivalent. But when I think about how we want to orient to, finding somebody, believing that there's only one, where I see that being such a trap, the one is, I think, even more toxic than, oh, actually, twin flames, because that's usually a bypassy term that spiritual people use, which is not a judgment, but just a categorization. And that's like, but they're my twin flame. And I'm like, okay, let's just call them your twin flame. But their job was to teach you that you're not supposed to just stick around for someone who doesn't choose you and call them something that makes it so you have to stay in suffering your whole life. Like to me, that's, that's just a wound that's being labeled as a convenient romantic thing so that you don't have to actually show up and choose something hard and experience the space of not being in a relationship or not trying to chase people like that. When I think about how do you want to date? You want to date from the perspective of what you said. Like there's lots of soulmates or there's lots of people. And my, I have a friend who's, he's a recovering Mormon. And I remember he mm -hmm. said to me once, um, I don't think there's one person. I think there's many. And it's really about who are you willing to work it out with? And that for me is so true is like, sometimes you're just not at the same place from a growth perspective. You're not, you know, if I had met my wife a couple of years before, or a couple of years later, there are such different circumstances. We change, people change. And really the skill of relationship is trying to, as best you can, move and grow together in the same direction. But you can't say that that's always going to happen. And trying to control it is not allowing our own um, evolution to potentially move away from somebody. And people think that's not romantic. I'm like, well, it's, it's reality. I don't care if it's romantic. You know, what do you think? Right. Well, I've been accused of being a non-romantic <laughs> yeah, relationship and dating coach. Um, and maybe that's true. I'm I'm very non-traditional. I'm also like not big on traditional gender roles. I just, if there's a way that everyone's done it, like I want to shake it up and I want to see where else we can take ourselves. But when we're looking at the soulmate relationships, I also see that we sometimes get afraid of any any bumps in the road like oh if they disagreed with me we had a we had a fight so i guess they're not my soulmate <laughs> it makes it easier for us to detach and 
to walk away from that discovery we were talking about earlier of the mirror being shown mm. about who you really are and where you can grow. And that I think is also keeping a lot of people from the relationships that they want and they desire and they deserve. Because if you, if you look at every little speed bump as an opportunity to walk away, what's keeping you in it? But if you look at the speed bumps, and I actually talk about this in the soulmate myth chapter, if you look at the speed bumps as an opportunity to build trust, to repair the rupture, to learn yourself about how to be a better communicator, about how to be a better partner, about how to be a better human, then that's when it starts getting really interesting. And I really feel like 20 years into my relationship, I feel like I'm still in discovery. I'm still yeah. learning things about my husband and I'm still learning things about myself. And I love that. I love that I have the opportunity to do that. So rather than the Jerry Maguire, <laughs> since you brought it up, you complete me. It's, it's not, it's not that at all. It's not about being completed. You're already whole, but it's how can you grow into the most amazing version of yourself? And I choose in my life and through how I guide my clients and my dates and mates listeners, I choose to use relationships as that tool for self-discovery. One of the most powerful reflective opportunities. Like, I don't think you're going to find a more potent, repetitive place of uh, the exposure of our own limitations than relationship. I don't think there's a, a better Maybe one. parenthood. Maybe parenthood. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm only uh, seven and a half months in, but I've been offered plenty already, thanks to Jasper. Oh, I, you just wait. It's coming. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't want to. I'm fine. I'll just... Uh, but I love that, too. Like, I have a teenager... I have a 13-year-old and people always go, oh, when I tell them I have a 13-year-old. And I say, I love this phase because she's just getting to the point where she is figuring out who she is and her boundaries and she's finding the words to communicate. And sometimes she pushes back and sometimes it's my job as a parent to guide her to what's most healthy for her. And I love this process of discovering. I, I get to do this again, both at, in a relationship and as a parent. I get really excited about that. So I think it's really through all of your relationships, your whether child, parent, coworker, partner, these are all opportunities for us to grow and learn. You talked a lot about mindfulness and we're talking about this level of awareness. I'm curious, what is it when you teach people to bring in this sort of mindset mindfulness. What does it mean to do that like in practical ways? A lot of it is in sharing the many tools that I've acquired over the, the years. And it's from Eastern, Western, North, South is from everywhere. Uh, so I, I meet people where they're at. Like some people are like, I don't want to do the woo-woo stuff. <laughs> you know, okay. I'm not like vision board, not going to happen. But you know, I've also like, I had someone write in to my podcast and they said, I have aphasia and I love that you use visualization as a tool for your clients. Like I will literally do episodes where I'm like, let's visualize your, your ideal person. And I'll walk through that experience of what it's like to have that person in your life. Or I will say like, write out a narrative of what it's like to have that person in, in your life in the future. And I put our brains and our, our, our hearts in that place of what uh -huh. it will feel like. And she said, I, I can't vi visualize. Like when I pause to meditate or to do the visualization, nothing comes to me. So I suggested, well, maybe you should try a, a different um, technique where maybe you're looking at pictures and when you see a picture, go based on the feeling you have when you look at that picture. So, I will tap into it from whatever angle helps get you to that place of feeling. But it always includes some form of meditation, which gets us to slow down and be in the moment. And usually it has some sort of a visualization 
piece to it as well. I love working with words. Obviously, I wrote a book, so <laughs> I like words. Words work really well for me. I journal every day. I have my clients keep a dating journal while they're going through the process with me, keep a gratitude journal. There's so many ways that we can get into that inner work. And I just use all of the tools to be able to meet people where they're at. We talked a little bit about trust earlier too. And, you know, being able to trust ourselves, being able, you know, the breaches of trust in relationship are obviously something that can regularly happen. I'm wondering, uh, in your experience, how do we cultivate trust? Very slowly. <laughs> um, it's tough. It's tough because trust really at the core of trust is surrender. And mm. especially in the current world we are in, we're all trying to control so many things, trying to control our image online, trying to control what happens at work, trying to control where our lives are headed because the control is certainty, but the discovery is all in surrender. So it's, it is work. It is like we were talking last, last time I was here about the skills of dating. You have to practice them. Mm -hmm. You have to practice that standing in that space of discomfort. And I, I bring in, like I said, I bring in everything from my prior, prior experience. I've, studied yoga for a couple decades. And what I first learned as I'm contorting myself into these very weird shapes that don't feel good in my body at first, that we have to move through the discomfort. Like that was my practice and my process is when you surrender and you settle in the discomfort and you figure out where the discomfort is coming from, a lot of times that's when it opens up. And it's always a risk. Love is always a risk. Mm. You have to get to the point where you can tolerate the amount of risk and uncertainty because we don't know what's going to happen with our partner. We don't know if we may encounter infidelity. We may encounter loss. There's so many things that we will move through in relationship that all we have is the present moment. So we've got to be able to stay in it, whether it feels uncomfortable at that time or whether it's, it's something that is, it, it's probably not always going to be joyful, but if we can stay in that place of trust and surrender, you can make it through the peaks and the valleys. Outside of trust, what do you think are some other really big important pillars of strong relationships? We've covered a lot, the lot, a lot of the four main pillars. It's it's got to be conflict resolution and communication, and this shared goals and shared values. These are these are the four that I have identified. If you have these four aligned, you can really walk through anything and you can apply that to any situation that you're dealing with. So, you know, on my podcast, I'll get into the nuances of what to do if you and your partner have a conflict and how to, like, I'll give language for how to move through it. And in F the Fairy Tale, I even have like scripts and templates that you can use because sometimes we can't find the words. But really, it's not about the words. The words are just the, um, the vehicle that gets us into that emotion of being able to be in a safe and trusting space. Yeah. Scripts are so helpful because we need, like, as you said, we don't maybe have the practice of putting words to feelings and structures of how to minimize conflict or handle conflict, but those are all learned skills. You know, it's not like people are lucky and that's how they get them. They might've been blessed to have parents who model them, which is very rare. So it's not, you know, even the belief like, Oh, everybody, but me. No, most people and you were never given the tools to be able to do this. And, you know, the importance of learning how to be the foundation and the creator of those pillars with your partner, because you can't build them all on your own. And it's so important. So important. Right. That's really the key, Mark. It's that you're building, you're both coming to the table whole, but you're building something new together. And if you have the pillars, you can get through whatever it is, but you're going to trust that you're going to be okay because you're still whole right? no matter what. And that is, that's really why I wrote this book. You know, I, 
uh, people think that with a title like F the fairy tale that I'm still a love cynic, you know, they think it, yeah, yeah. it's, it's um, about bashing the, you know, the challenges of dating today. And that's not it at all. It's really about the subtitle, rewrite the dating myths and live your own love story. It's like, yeah, I know we are all frustrated. We are all starved for connection and for love, especially after all we've been through the last few years. Everybody wants that. Everybody deserves that. And sometimes we don't know how to get it. And I find that a lot of that comes from these stories that we've believed previously that maybe were true at a time, maybe were true for someone else in our lives, but don't have to be true for us anymore. I actually want to empower people with that knowledge. Well, it is New Year's, which is also the time that everyone is like, hey, I'm ready to find some love, install some apps, get in the dating scene, put out the vibe at the coffee shop. So let's talk some actionable steps about creating you know, your own love story, as you said. So what can people do as they're re-entering or entering this mode, this time? What can they do to create their own love story? Well, first of all, yes, we are at the beginning of the year. This is the biggest time for online dating. So the apps are that. flooded with new people. Yes, yes. Dating Sunday is the first Sunday of the year. That's when the highest number of new people sign up for the apps and say, New Year's resolution, I want to find love. So first of all, you got to be where the people are. And if you're saying, I don't use dating apps, that's not how I want my story to go. I just never envisioned it. I thought it was for weirdos and nerds or people like Demona 20 years ago. You got to let that go because that's where the majority of people are. And that is actually a great place to practice the skills. I found when I was online dating, I met more people out IRL because I had built up my confidence and I had built up my skill set to be able to be a better communicator and to be more, to be mm -hmm. bolder Agreed. and more confident in my conversations. So start there and also just begin with communication and, and starting connections that you are in no way attached to the outcome. Because we get in our heads like, oh, well, I don't know, is she gonna say yes? I, if I approach her, like, what am I gonna be humiliated? Is she gonna shoot me down? Let's just stop telling the end of the story. Just mm. start with, just start with the first chapter. <laughs> start with hello. And then you can see where it goes from there. And I, I would actually challenge your listeners to get like gamify it a bit yourself make it make it fun for yourself and the same goes for dates like don't go on dates that you're like oh i don't even feel like doing this yeah like you gotta work. psych yourself up and if you gamify it and you say i'm going to talk to 10 people this week that i don't know you might get a date out of it you might make a connection or you might just connect with 10 new humans and that to me is a win as well that's so true people don't you know, we don't tend to put ourselves in the opportunities to meet more people. You know, we, if we're not someone who feels good about using a phone or like dating apps, we need to learn the skill set that you're talking about by building awareness about ourselves, how we show up to dating, relating, life in general, so that when we walk into a grocery store, we actually have a vibe, you know, that we're like, all right, I'm, I'm putting it out today. I'm going to meet my person. And if not, I'm going to meet a person. Right. Yeah. I'm the best wing woman because I just, I just want to connect to humans. <laughs> my kids are like, mom, why are you always talking to people everywhere? Sounds it's like, like my wife we... <laughs> too. She says the same. <laughs> but we only have these moments together on this planet. So wh what do you, what do you get from, from walking through siloed, uh, like afraid to speak to anyone? Right. We don't win from that. Play we, with it. Right. Play with it. We only win, I think, when we're in connection with other humans. So, you know, we're all on this, this rock in space together. <laughs> let's like look up from our phones. Let's oh, make yeah. eye contact and let's see where that can take us. Because I know people are, they're frustrated. Like, I know you're frustrated with social media. We're frustrated with dating apps. We're frustrated with texting. There's so much to be frustrated about that 
I think we all have a responsibility to look for connection and look for look for solutions to get out of this communication crisis we've been in. I've loved this. And I think people, as you're entering the new year and now that everyone's listening to this, are like, wait, everyone's installing apps? <laughs> I'm installing an app. Great idea because there's going to be more options. And remember, it's about changing how you choose, which Demona's book is clearly helpful in helping navigate that. Do you have any final thoughts or any homework for people or tools that you know you can share that will help them find the right person or being in a relationship that they have always desired? Oh my gosh, I've given it all away already, Mark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say it does start with clarity. So do one of the exercises that I've talked about. And the other thing is, this is a little uncomfortable for some people. So I know everybody's uh, going to get their their sphincters in a bunch when I say this. But um, <laughs> tell somebody that you are single and what you are looking for. When like once you get clarity on what you're looking for, get like an accountability buddy. Mm. Cuz there's so much single shame of like we don't even want to talk about it. Oh, I couldn't possibly tell somebody that I'm single like <laughs> first of all, we know. Second <laughs> of all, we 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 just carry so much shame in our culture because that's been the story for so long right that you have to you have to meet somebody by this point you should be married by this point you should have a baby by this point and it's just like it's all crap we don't need to believe that and we have to start by vocalizing to someone else in the world bring other people into this journey with you and you're going to be surprised how many people will want to be on your team will advocate for you will make new connections for you will push you to get out there when you're like, oh, I just got through with work on Friday. I don't feel like going to this bar or mixer or friends party or on this dating app date. Have other people become a part of this process. And because of the technology, we can do that today like we've never been able to before as well. Well, we definitely live in a time where we need all of the help we can get in terms <laughs> of getting out of old habits, old, as you said, myths. And actually create a story that we want. I mean, that's what it's all about is taking responsibility. So, Demona, thank you for coming on and sharing all your insights. And I'm so excited for your new book. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. And everyone, of course, can pick up F the Fairy Tale wherever. I guess that was probably what I should say. <laughs> what should yeah. people do? Well, they should read F the Fairy Tale. Um, but I also do Dates and Maids still, which you were one of my favorite guests of all time, Mark. And Hopefully we can have you back on the show God, uh, when your book is out. But uh, yeah, Dates and Mates is also where I give all my, the the freshest, uh, freshest, funkiest dating advice. <laughs> awesome. Well, where can people find more of you? I am on Instagram at Demona Hoffman and uh, Dates and Mates. Yeah. Wherever you're listening to this podcast. Amazing. Thanks so much. And everybody listening, thanks for tuning in and make sure you hit the subscribe button because we got more great podcasts coming up. Thanks, Timona. Thank you, Mark. <laughs>